This is the Go Pack Podcast with your host, Jessica Curtis. Joining us today is Jessica Malusian. Jessica is the director of the Center for Technology and Innovation at the Competitive Enterprise Institute. Her research focuses on technology issues, including antitrust, online privacy, internet taxation, telecom, social media content, and net neutrality regulation. And you can often catch her writings in various outlets, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, The Hill, many others. And she's appeared on Fox News, Fox Business, CNBC, to name a few. Jessica, welcome. Thank you so much much for having me. Free and open markets are the foundation of a vibrant economy. Enter antitrust. Give us a little history lesson, if you will, and sort of frame out what we see happening in that space today on Capitol Hill, the FTC, and in the states. Yeah, well, so I'll just take everyone very quickly um, through a little bit of history, because I think it's um, very helpful to understand how odd what we see happening in the antitrust space is today. Um, considering the history of these competition laws. So, of course, everyone kind of knows the hits. Um, the Sherman Act was passed in 1890. It sort of been interpreted to mean something that it says it means, because what it literally said was that every contract that's in restraint of trade is illegal. Well, that can't be true, right? Because when we contract with each other, in some sense, that's a restraint of trade, but in some sense, that's how everything works. So uh, the courts have been interpreting that to mean when those contracts are harmful. So that leads us to 1914. You have the FTC Act that created the Federal Trade Commission and the Clayton Act in, in 1914 as well. That dealt with mergers, which is a lot of what we talk about today. And that was amended in 1976 with the Hart-Scott-Rodino Act. And that said that if you're a big company and you're going to merge with another company, you need to let the government know in advance. And that's sort of what we see all the time in the news today are these proposed mergers. And we have hearings about it on Capitol Hill and we have FTC saying we'll probably be fine with it or we probably won't be fine with it. That's where all of that comes from. So in all this sort of ambiguity of the statutes, because like we said, you can't take them literally or they would bring all commerce to a halt, the court sort of had to sort all this out. Well, what what is the harm? What's harmful and to whom? Who are we worried about? Are we worried about lesser competitors? Are we worried about consumers? What worries us? High prices? Lack of innovation? Or, you know, what are we concerned about here? So that went through many iterations and many people had conflicting ideas about that. And with the populist push in the 20th century, what that largely meant was that big was bad. Big was taken by the courts to mean there's probably a problem here. If there's big, that's smoke and there may be a fire. The problem with that approach, of course, is everything's getting bigger and bigger, mm-hmm. right? That's what was considered a big company back then would be nothing to us now. Um, and that's probably how things will go. And now we have a better understanding of economies of scale and how that can be really beneficial And what you had happening in the 20th century was a lot of circumstances where the court would pick on something big and would protect the competitors and say, hey, big company, you can sell this for so much less. You're really killing the competition here. So the problem with that, of course, is what's the remedy? The remedy is forcing that big company to raise prices. That's not good for consumers. So I like to say that antitrust is biblical in the sense that you can only serve one master. And in the late 70s and early 80s, the Reagan administration adopted the ideas of Judge Robert Bork in his very famous book, um, The Antitrust Paradox, and basically said the one master you can serve in antitrust is consumers. And that set the consumer welfare standard. And that is the lens through which courts now look at these cases. Is the problem that we're considering harming consumers. And what does that mean? 
doesn't just mean prices, but it, they do look at prices. They, it also has to do with, is there innovation in this sector of the economy? Do we see new things coming out? And also output, are, are we restricting output? So there's a lot of factors they look at, but the focus has become, how are the consumers faring in this? And that revision to antitrust laws was a huge victory for conservatives. You know, that was a Judge Bork, Ronald Reagan, law and economics victory. And what's so interesting, just the reason I give everyone this background, is that really makes it even more curious what we're seeing from so much of the right these days about wanting to use antitrust against these big tech companies. And that's, of course, combining with the traditional dislike of of the free market system, distrust of the free market system, concern about bigness, all the normal things you expect to see on the left, right? We understand Mm -hmm. why the left feels this way. But from the right, it's really strange because this is one of the biggest conservative victories was the overhauling of those antitrust laws to um, benefit consumer welfare standards. So, and, and that is because, of course, if you talk to people and not just elected officials, but anyone, what the people on the right, what they're really upset about is not antitrust stuff. It's social media content, moderation, free speech issue stuff. And those things have been conflated politically for the past couple of years here in Washington. And it's sort of like some people on the right want to hit big tech with a hammer and the hammer they're happening, they're reaching for is the antitrust hammer mm-hmm. instead of addressing the social media questions, Section 230, all of that stuff, which, you know, all that stuff is a discussion worth having. Obviously, it's in the news a lot right now with Elon Musk and Twitter. Mm-hmm. You know, those are real issues. I would just caution that the best tool to deal with those issues is probably not the antitrust hammer. Because I think, you know, when you're looking across the aisle, not that there's not things that both parties should work together on. But if you're, you know, if you're lining up with Senator Warren, you probably need to go back and and rethink maybe where you stand on this stuff if you're a Republican. Right, right. I think that, you know, the content moderation stuff is complicated, and it's important, and it deserves to be treated separately. I think that because all of this technology is relatively new and the scale of these companies are big and you hear about it all the time in the news, I think that they politicians often feel pressured to do something or at least say something. And I think that a lot of times they think they're talking about antitrust, but really what they're talking about is the content moderation question. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because, you know, the the unknown tends to be scary. So a lot of people that don't have a a good grasp on the content moderation stuff and what that looks like, they they tend to kind of knee-jerk react to things that they are not necessarily having a good grasp on, you know, what it it is exactly. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, so if you see the actual antitrust cases that are against big tech right now or being threatened, you know, we're talking about Facebook purchasing Instagram and WhatsApp being challenged right now. We're talking about Google having pre-installed deals for their search on with phone manufacturers. We're talking about Amazon, you know, being accused of having too much of a market share, even though Walmart's fighting at its heels online. You know, those are antitrust issues, right? Those things are being litigated. And what's going on on the left right now in those cases at the FTC, and especially with the chairwoman at the FTC, Lena Khan, she is trying to get rid of that Republican-stamped consumer welfare standard from the Reagan area and replace it with much broader goals for antitrust. Quality, equity, social justice, of, let's go back to favoring the little guy. Things that in any other context, I think most Republicans would really oppose and say, hey, that's 
way out of bounds for what the government should be doing. You know, if you're a limited government type, you would really balk at that and say, I'm not sure I want people in Washington making those decisions. Mm -hmm. You know, right when you would expect Republicans to be coming to the defense of the consumer welfare standard. It's been a strange political alignment with what Lena Khan and Senator Warren, people like that, want to, Amy Klobuchar want to do to expand the breadth of antitrust regulations. And I think that if Republicans can get rid of the social media part of that, the content moderation part, and just look at these as economic regulations and Democrats that are trying to expand greatly the power of the FTC and the, and the reach of those economic regulations, I think that will become much clearer to them that you know that's probably not something they would be interested in. You wouldn't expect that to be uh, a program they could get behind. But on the social media side, you know, that stuff is very different, right? That's about Section 230, which is the liability shield from 1996 that really just says, hey, social media platforms and website operators and anyone else in any way that hosts third-party content in a digital setting you are not responsible for the content that third-party people put up. The author of that third-party content is responsible for it. Now, that has all kinds of implications in the marketplace. And, and like I said, that's a worthy conversation. But that is distinct and separate from um, what's happening on the antitrust front. And I will also say that this push to expand antitrust regulation is not going to be confined to big tech. We're already seeing it spill over into their concerns about grocery store mergers, something that you know probably would reduce costs for consumers, letting those grocery stores scale up. Plus, with all the new competition from Amazon moving into that space, Walmart now having grocery stores, like, there's so much competition in that space. It's kind of ridiculous to worry about grocery stores merging. But here we have it, right? Because yeah. they're not going to want to keep this just to big tech. It's politically convenient for them right now because Republicans are tolerating that because they don't like these companies for other reasons. But it, w it won't stay there. And it's going to be really damaging for U.S. consumers in a time where that's the last thing they need. This is a sputtering economy. And letting grocery store prices maybe get a little bit cheaper wouldn't be the worst thing, I think, right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What would your your final thoughts you would give to folks with traditional conservative economic values? What kind of thoughts and, and tips would you give them kind of navigating this space? Yeah, I would tell anyone, both sides of the aisle, anyone and, and any voting citizen, you know, educate yourself a little bit on this. Keep in mind that the antitrust stuff is separate from the speech issues, both important, but separate spheres. And, you know, I would say to people who are inclined to trust the market a little bit more than big government, I would say don't don't lose your faith here. We're already seeing market solutions come up. We're seeing lots of competition in these areas. And I would also add, for the record, that even on the speech side, we're seeing lots of shakeup, lots of things happening, uh, lots of market solutions coming along. So, you know, remember that first principles matter, property rights matter, limited government matters. These We know what the ingredients to get the cake to bake, right? We yeah. know what works. And it's not more power at the FTC and more regulations and more costs that eventually get passed on to consumers. We know that doesn't work. We've already, there's a lot of it. There's the current evidence. All you have to do is look across the pond uh, at the EU and you can see there's their other approach, right? And there's a reason why the U.S., I think it, it changes, but seven or eight of the top 10 global tech companies in the world are U.S.-based. Europe has zero. And part of that has to do with our regulatory environment. And that's a big piece of that are our antitrust laws. So to mess with that and make it look more like Europe is 
such a bad idea. We have the proof sitting in front of us. It's a whole continent full of proof. And also right now, you know, who do we lose to if we start shackling our U.S. companies? We lose to China. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm not here to tell you that the market is perfect. There's perfect competition. But I'm saying that I think it does a better job than anything else. And I'm still rooting for the U.S. economy. I'm rooting for U.S. consumers and I'm rooting for U.S. companies because they're, you know, there are superstars right now. And we might not agree with everything they do politically, but that's a separate conversation. And and let's not punish them and punish consumers because it'd be much better to just have it as a separate conversation. Amen. Jessica, thank you so much for (laughs) joining us. This has been fantastic. Jessica Malusian. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been the Go Pack Podcast. Learn how we're educating and electing a new generation of Republican leaders at gopack.org.